You're listening to the Two Bucks Podcast, the podcast for outdoor entrepreneurs. Little by little, I was getting the sense of my time isn't my time. Just kept feeling this pull to the outdoors and wanting to do something in the outdoor space. Welcome back to another Two Bucks Podcast, the podcast for outdoor entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Brian Krebs, and I have Drew Miles on the call tonight from Tricer US. Is it Tricer or Triker? Tricer. Tricer. Tricer, that's it. Tricer USA. And we've been talking a little bit in the green room here, and we just had to we had to shut up and start the podcast or else we'd get by all the good stuff. But but you make you have a, a tripod. You probably you have a lot of stuff, but you have a tripod. And it's it's one heck of a tripod. It looks like you could level a house with this tripod. And so we were kind of talking right here in the green room about, like, I was interested because I had a buddy that started using your tripod um, from Colorado, and he said, "Hey, you gotta you gotta get this guy on the podcast because what I'm really interested in is I'm a product engineer myself, my day job, and so when I look at something like your tripod." I see so many components and pieces to it where you it's like so iterative. And anytime you're dealing with like physical product, especially product like that takes mechanical design, now you're getting prototypes and that's expensive, like one-off tooling, one-off designs, all that stuff. And so I was really interested to get you on the podcast and hear your story, kind of hear how you came up with the idea and then and just the journey since then. Okay. Yeah, I mean, uh, I guess I'm an inventor. I have three patents to my name. I, I like uh, I like inventing things. I love business, mm-hmm. right? Um, I'm a sheet metal worker by trade, right? My family's 60 years union sheet metal workers here in San Diego. Uh, started working when I was 10, 12 years old for my dad, <laughs> doing flexing in houses and stuff. And then we opened up a sheet metal shop when I was 14. I was working 80 hours a week. So I would say more than... Uh, more than me being able to design stuff, just, I just have a desire to never quit, right? I just have this, like, I start something and then I just have to finish it. Yeah. Uh, if that makes any sense. But, um, so I've got a few patents to my belt uh, in the HVAC industry. I've got a machine that I invented. I've got some uh, a widget that I invented that sells really well. But I am a hunter, right? And uh, I that's what I love to do. So I decided to turn that hobby into a business too, which I don't always recommend doing. <laughs> but um, so I uh, was on an elk hunt in 20, I think 2017 with my father-in-law. My father-in-law had drawn this bull tag. He's 70 at the time, drawn this bull tag over in Arizona. And uh, I'm carrying my tripod and then I'm carrying his, like he has like the biggest outdoorsman tripod you can imagine with every widget on it. So it weighs like five or six pounds plus the biggest panhead, plus I'm carrying his rifle, I'm carrying his spot, it was just heavy. Yeah. The whole thing is just freaking heavy, and I'm just like, this sucks. So I'm on that trip, I'm using my trek and pull to glass a little bit too, and I know Remy, Remy Warren actually talked a lot about that, using the, the buddy of trek and pull to glass with, and uh, I left that trip, and I was like, man, I can make a tripod that uses your trekking poles as legs. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of what started this whole journey believe it or not, to where we are today with the these crazy inverted tripods. So I, um, which a trekking pole is inverted in my system. So everything's still kind of been inverted since the beginning because you, I went home and I made this little prototype. I could send you some pictures later. It's literally like a, 
Primo's tripod that I cut some angle and I welded onto it. And then I, I just made, made a freaking widget, right? It's, yeah. I've always, whenever I did do something, I just got to prove that it works, right? Somehow, even though it's ugly, prove that it works. And the concept works. Uh, the trekking pole tip slides into a collet and it tightens down. And then you could use the trekking poles as legs. So my first tripods were, you use three trekking poles to make a tripod. So you'd carry one extra trekking pole. You have eight ounce tripod that fits in your pocket. Carry an extra trekking pole, you're at 16 ounces. You have your two poles, there's your tripod. Or you borrow one of your buddy's trekking poles. That wasn't well received, <laughs> believe it or not, because everyone's like, for the guy who has three arms, you know, they just could not grasp like yeah. this minimalist tripod that I made. So from there, um, we started, we, I started designing in 2017. I launched a company in 2020 with the GTP3 and the GTP2. And that's the one that uses trekking poles only. And then I, everyone, you have to be willing to fail, willing to take critique when you design, right? And people are going right. to, especially on the internet, man, there's so many freaking yahoos out there just never designed anything in their life, just hammering you, you know? So <laughs> then I came out with the, came out with the GTP1. And that is essentially a single leg tripod, carbon fiber tripod, similar to the Slick 634, but two of the legs are trekking poles. Mm -hmm. So the trekking poles are inverted because the tips are in the tripod. And the other leg is a standard like photography style tripod, which you see normally right, where the fat legs on top and it extends out to a really skinny leg. Yeah. And that's kind of been the model for tripods forever is if you want to go light, you got to have really skinny legs and it's unstable tripod. Right. So, um, last year we launched GTP or two years we launched GTP one and it, it sold really well. We've done really well with it. It's a, it's a great minimalist tripod. It weighs 19 ounces. Um, from there we started making a bino adapter, right? The whole model of the company, our, our slogan is fast, light, simple. So trying to find things that are simple, right? I'm, I, right. I love backpacking, I love backpack hunting. Yep. I love simple things, right? I don't want a, I'm a, I have a FUD gun. I, sh I love shooting like a pump action shotgun or a bolt action rifle. Like something that I know is going to work, right. right? Like don't get, I like, I got rid of all my ARs. I have like one AR in the state. If it's just not my style, I want simple. So we launched the Bino adapter, which is a fully uh, integrated Arca Swiss Bino adapter. So normally when you buy a Bino adapter, you have to like get an Arca plate and bolt it to it, which I think is so stupid. And then you got to go buy studs. So we made this Bino adapter and it comes with two studs. So it's a Bino adapter with the Arca built into it, all machined in one. So now you don't have to worry about adapter plates. It makes it more simple. It comes with two studs. Um, from there, so I'm good to get a long way, long story here, kind of where we got to these tripods, how we got there. Yeah. Uh, it was like a five-year journey. From there, uh, one of my friends challenged me. He said, I bet you can't make like a six-ounce pan head. And I said, hold my beer. <laughs> hold my beer. I could do that. And so then we designed the Tricer LP. And that's really what put us on the map. That's a four and a half ounce pan head that could run a freaking 85 millimeter spotter as good as a 16 ounce Suru uh, VA5. It's an incredible pan head. Wow. That pan head really just put us on the map. I mean, I cannot keep the things in stock. If you would have told me, I don't want to give numbers out. If you would have told me we would have sold one tenth of what we sold in the last six months of that pan head, I would have been amazed with our year. I cannot keep them in stock. They just sell, sell, sell. We're out of stock right now. We'll be filling orders next week for the orders to place this week. It's it's crazy. So that that kind of launch and that really put us on the map. That's when all the big guys started picking us up and 
a lot of big names in the industry started running our stuff. Um, and then from there, the, the Trekkie Bull tripods are awesome. I love them. But the biggest issue is, is whenever you have a product you have to explain yeah. or it's niche, it's hard to sell. What you need is like a household product, right? Like the, the, the Panhead's a household product. The bio, everyone uses a Panhead. Everyone uses a bio adapter. You don't have to explain why. It just, it just works, especially those products. Right. So I said, I want to make a three-legged tripod. But the problem is, is like every company in the industry now is like coming out with their own tripods. And all they're doing is they're all rebranding the same dang tripod. It's this photography tripod with these skinny legs. So they're going like, oh, look at my ultralight tripod. It weighs 25 ounces. But the, you can like push the legs in like a foot, right? Any kind of right. wind, anything, things are shaking. So there's really, there's two like, there's ultralight, but there's also like function. Right. Right. So you can go ultralight, like you can go and you can go on a, a backpack hunt and have a, a 12 ounce tarp. But if it's a rainstorm, it's going to suck. Right. So there has to be this balance, right. With like ultralight and function. And I was just trying to figure out how I can make a tripod that was different. Like, I don't want to come out with the same tripod everyone's doing. I mean, there's 20 companies doing that right now. And it's just not my style. I want to be different. So then I saw, um, in the PRS industry, there's some big, heavy, like six pound, eight pound tripods that are inverted legs and they're two section legs. And I'm like, man, that is a good idea. Um, Meaning that the top leg is the skinniest and it gets fatter as it goes down. And so it's not, I didn't come up with this technology. I just turned it into a backpacking tripod. So then I went out and started designing these inverted leg tripods and uh, it's been a hit. So our tripod is able to be super stable and also ultra light because we were able to keep a small head, you know, a small aluminum head, which is all the weight, all the weights in the aluminum on these things. And then I'm able to invert the legs. So the top pole of that tripod is seven eighths inch. And the second pole is one inch. The third pole is one and an eighth inch. So are you follow me on that? Yeah. And I'm looking at the picture right now too. You're looking at the picture. Yeah. And, um, and those tripods, I can't keep those in stock either. It just makes sense, right? Like you don't have to, you can just be a redneck and look at it and be like, oh crap. Why have we not done this before? Why are we not doing this? Right. Um, so now we have these tripods that weigh less than most tripods and are like 10 times more stable. Um, it just, from an engineering standpoint, it just makes sense. Well, and you also are only at seven eighths of an inch. Like the tripod that I currently have, I think it extends four times, but by the time you get to the last one, you're at like quarter inch. Three eighths, probably three eighths. Maybe. Yeah, three eighths or a half. It's small. Yeah. I mean, it's not a half for sure. It's not a half. I was just using it out in the backwoods. And it's not even that light. It it has done me well, and it's been beat up. But yeah, like the bottom of it, like you said, is like, like a pencil basically. Yes. And it. Yeah. And I'm like, so that has to help just to, by itself. Is like you have seven eighths inch, which just isn't gonna. It's got more strength. Like it's gonna have more. Seven eighths is the, seven eighths is the smallest leg of these tripods. Right. That's the smallest leg. It's gonna yeah. have more strength. I bet. Yeah. And then, is it just because you have the bigger pieces at the bottom? So like gravity is helping like the the small leg isn't holding up the big leg above it is that like why it's more stable inverted or do you like what makes it i believe you but did you it, ever it get makes to... it more stable is the, is the fatter poles okay I mean, honestly it's the thicker poles it's and then a lot of times you're going to be running like i recommend said i use the bc we have two tripods we have the bc and the 80 yeah. i use the bc because i only sit down like i don't recommend running a tripod at six foot tall and standing up and glassing behind it 
everyone wants to do it. I sell probably three to three or four eighties for every one BC I sell. But uh, when you have a collapse and you're sitting down, now you have three thicknesses of carbon fiber in there too, keeping it stable. Does that make sense? Yeah. And it's, so you got that there. Another thing um, that makes it way more functional, you'll see these, like you, you're running a, you see like a five section, five, four twist locks. It's a five section tripod, I imagine. Probably. I mean, it's the Vortex SS, whatever. They don't even make it anymore, but yeah. So the more, the more leg sections you have, the more joints you have, the more weakness you have as well. Yeah. Does that makes sense. Oh yeah. Like if so, you, if you put them all out, it's got like three options for how wide it can get. But if you have yeah. all of them out, you have to use the first one. Because if you use the second one, it starts to like cave in on itself. Like, you know what I mean? Like yes. it's, it's just too wide. Like, yeah, it looks cool that you can spread it out and you got this five foot wide thing. Yeah. But what's the point? <laughs> Yeah, you're not going to have that. You can take my tripod, sit them all the way out, and wrap it around your body, and it's going to be rock solid. And it's yeah. going to have those thicker legs. And then we only have three-section legs in our tripods. We don't uh, – Right. Three-section's better. It's a little bit longer in the pack. But, again, we're talking ultralight versus functional. You want function, right? So it's a little bit longer in your pack, but wow. it's way more stable. Way more stable. And it's – yeah, like – I don't know. I don't think – height is the limiting factor i would rather have it tall and skinny because i can put it anywhere then i can just put it on the side of yep. my pack and strap it in if you make it short and stubby with five sections to get the height back like you like you said you get all kinds of issues it's now it's fat like it doesn't fit as well it's just as heavy as it was before and now you have five sections so it's not as stable you have more twist locks you're going to gum up on you and those tripods when they get that thin are so easy to break they break all the time you're out hiking or you fall down or you sit on it just it snaps those tripods yeah um these things are rock solid that's it's just it, i mean we just looked at it from a hunting standpoint right and built hunting tripods versus right talking to tripods you'll, you'll see me all the time online i'm always knocking uh built for hunters not photographers <laughs> like and i i don't care like you could use my stuff to i use my stuff to film all the time you can take pictures off my stuff all you want but i didn't build it for you for that right. i built it so you could glass and find animals and kill animals like you're never going to hear a hunting co- a tri- a photo company say that, right? It's right. It's it's pretty crazy. So we just built this stuff, our, our pan heads and our everything based on what is functional for a hunter and a Western big. This episode is brought to you by Steelhead Outdoors. From the moment I first saw a Steelhead Outdoor safe, I knew I was going to order one. The ability to customize the color, the configuration, and most importantly, the ability to move and assemble my safe panel by panel makes Steelhead Outdoors the clear winner when it comes to gun safes. And if you haven't ordered a Steelhead Outdoor gun safe yet, you can still benefit from their innovation and creativity because the guys over at Steelhead have designed some awesome accessories. Their case keeper allows you to hang all of your hunting caps and gun cases off the side of your safe, and it keeps your hunting room looking clean and organized. Or my favorite is the bow keeper that lets me hang my bow off the side of my safe so me and my wife can walk into our safe room, hang up our bows after shooting in the backyard, and not have to worry about the hassle of putting our bows back in the case every time. Both the bow keeper and case keeper are magnetic and work with any safe, which means you can use them now with your current safe, and when the time comes to order your Steelhead Outdoors gun safe, you'll already have all the accessories you need. Head over to SteelheadOutdoors.com to order your bow keeper and case keeper today. Game Hunter, and what would be the best setup for them? And that's, that's kind of what we went off of. 
Yeah, it's kind of funny how we were talking about tree stands, ladder stands, food plots, and you're like, I have no idea what you're talking about. I've never done any of that. <laughs> yeah, I, I've literally, like, I, I was telling you, like, I just got, uh, I'm getting a tree saddle right now. I probably won't use it, but I order one because I'm like, I want a tree saddle for some of these spots I go into. But I have no idea what a tree stand is. I've never, I mean, I've seen whitetails, but I've never, I hunt coos deer. I hunt coos deer every year, no matter what. It's my favorite deer to hunt. But it's not the same kind of whitetail at all. It's a 90-pound skittish deer that hides in plain sight. Yeah, that, that's a little different story for sure. But it's just kind of funny, the differences. But, yeah, I mean, if you're doing, like, a true backpack, like, I think the most extreme payoff for what you're doing is, like, a sheep hunter. Where, yes. where they, they're living out of their pack in the most extreme environment and they have to bring something to glass with because you live and die by glassing it. Especially, like, when you're doing, like, bighorns um, or or anything, you have to, like, you have to bring a big spotter because you have to start counting the rings. Like, if, yeah. you, if the, like it's got to be a 10-year-old ram and the only way to figure it out is to count the rings and you got to be rock solid because you're trying to count these rings at, like, 300 yards you know, so you have to bring something, and then you just don't want to be packing around a five-pound tripod just to be stable. Yeah. Well, put it this way. Our tripods are rated to 26.4 pounds. That's a pretty big spotter. Yeah, that's a pretty big spotter. If you go 26-pound spotter on there. So they're rated 26 pounds. The, the BC weighs only 27 ounces, and that one's more compact. That one's only like 16 inches or something like that in the pack. Um, the AD weighs 33 ounces. That's a standard. Yeah. Uh, I can tell you on the sheep front, so – one cool thing about Tricer is, I mean, we are, I'm not, we're blowing up right now, right? It's, mm-hmm. but like the hottest tripod, the hottest panhead in the industry right now. I mean, everyone's running it. You know, when people who wouldn't talk to me for years now are my best friends and they're running our stuff, it's awesome, right? It's like, it's, it's really neat to see some of these guys running our stuff. People are calling me, like, I saw this guy running your stuff. But talk about sheep hunters. I had a guy, multiple guys have gone to Alaska in the last two weeks, two different guys, and call me back, like, do my whole cast buying a tripod. My guide had Ooh, wow. had this. My guide had this slick. He snapped it on the hunt. He's buying a tripod. The guy's email. I mean, six guys in one camp came back and bought my stuff after going on the hunt with one guy having my stuff. That's incredible. Like just, and that's what's neat about our stuff right now is like it's just going off of word of mouth and like our advertising, right? Right. But now it's getting into it's getting into deer camps, elk camps, sheep camps, and it's just dominating everybody else, and they want it, right? And they're seeing it and they're getting to hold it, right? And they're coming back and buying it because it's just. The proof's in the pudding. Like once you use it, it's just like this is so much better than what I've been running. It just makes sense. Um, it's I, I mean I guess I'm bragging. I'm not really bragging. I'm just telling you what's going on right now with this thing. It's just like it's it's made for the it's made for the back backpack hunter. It's made for the sheep hunter. Like that BC, everything about it was built for the backpack sheep hunter. So right? with the, with the LP panhead. So is AD and BC. Does BC stand for backcountry or before Christ? <laughs> So it is before Christ and after death or Adam and I, um, our new tripod coming out in the spring will be the JC, the Jesus Christ. Nice. So I am a Christian. I have five children. Um, I'm in ministry, you know, three days a week, uh, with the Bible college, uh, love God with everything in me. So every one of our packages has Bible verses on it. And we unashamedly talk about Jesus on everything we do and we don't care. I figured it was. You know, because you never see AD and BC together when it doesn't mean, you know, a biblical reference. But it also is funny that you mentioned, like, the BC was made for backcountry hunters. I mean, it it yeah. kind of – it just works. It does. Yeah. And you get uh, – you'll see a lot of reviews on YouTube and stuff, and they'll be like, 
I got the Tracer BC, the backcountry tripod. Everyone, no one knows. Like people are just catching on to what it really means. Okay. But uh, I mean, that's the fun thing about Tracer. It's just a fun company. I mean, like our LP Panhead, the guy who challenged me to make it, his handle on Instagram and on our hunting forum is Lung Popper. We call him LP. So I made the Panhead and then I named it after him to be like, ha, I did it. Oh, nice. the LP, right? Like it's just uh it's fun for me to put those names in there and just do it and have fun with the company, right? Versus like my construction job, I've got, you know, 70 employees and I'm dealing with all these headaches and all this stuff. And it's not, I don't want to say it's not fun, but it's not fun. Right. right. <laughs> Versus Tricer is like a passion of mine. I get to make these awesome products to help like you go on an elk hunt and help these guys. Like I getting these pictures of guys in Alaska killing doll sheep and killing caribou. And this guy just texts me. He's like, dude, you told me to use your stuff to find things and kill things. Look at this buck I shot. You know, he's going to go, he's going to podcast with me tomorrow and talk about this, but he shot this giant, it looks like a, I don't know, 190 inch velvet mule deer. Oh, and he's geez. like, I found him with a tripod. I glassed him all, I glassed him all summer and I went out and killed him on opening day. Look at this buck. I mean, that's like the coolest feeling in the world versus like, I built this duck work for a guy and he put it in the air. Right. right. It's just, it's well, fun, man. I love, love it. It's funny how you can have a job where it like, it sounds like your day job, you got 70 employees, you got big projects. Like it's very like skilled right like you're, you're professional at it you, it takes training it takes yes. years of experience you got to do all this stuff like it's like it's it's professional labor than the labor force right you'd call it like professional services or whatever yeah. shipping tripods is like if you were to hire that out you'd probably be looking towards like a minimum wage position like okay here's the tripods this box is labeled bc so if they order a bc grab one of these put it in a box put all the void fill in it wrap it up put a sticker on it and ship it like it yeah. doesn't really get any easier than that. You don't have to interact with anybody. You don't have to talk to customers. You don't have to pretend to be in a good mood. Like when you're running a gas station, how I grew up with my dad's businesses. But it's funny because of my product business, it's probably the same way. Like doing that makes me infinitely happier than doing my electrical <laughs> engineering job where I'm using like, you know, advanced programs and the years of experience. And, you know, and it's a very like high impact job. And you're like, eh, like you said, eh, we hung some duck work another day. And then you like go home yeah. and you put two tripods in the mail and you're like, that was awesome. Like two people are spending like good money that they worked hard for to buy my product. You know what I mean? Like it just, it's funny how like it's so inverted on like what fills your tank. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, and also with construction, like, I mean, I'm, I'm a, we run a union company. So I have to deal. I'm not good. I'm not knocking union. I'm just saying like, I have to deal with that. It's a lot of paperwork. Right? I have to yeah. Deal with, it's a lot of paperwork. I got to deal with union reps. I got to deal with, you know, egos in your construction. You've got all these foremen, you've got project managers. I'm in, you know, I'm on like six different boards. We're in all these meetings and Tricer. I'm just like, Hey man, Trump 2024. What's up? Like I'm just out there having fun and like, just it's great like i i love it i don't have to worry about what i say or what i do i don't have to worry about like uh you know a harassment suit for one of my employees like i can just enjoy myself and have fun with it versus the big construction company there's just we're i'm in california dude it's like the king of like oh liberal liberal like pc politics like it's just you can't you can't even sneeze wrong without someone trying to sue you or someone's feelings getting hurt and it's just and i'm not a guy who's like either yelling i don't yell at anybody i'm not a yeller i'm not a bad boss by any means i mean our employees right. built this forever but it's just it's just different it's different not having all these employees and all these 
all these other people dictating my life, the construction of all these projects dictating my life. And every day there's an emergency, right? Every day there's a job site where something went wrong or something has to get fixed or this guy needs this. And with Tracer, it's just like kind of at my pace and what I want to do. And I want to come do a podcast with you and sit down. Like that's, this is fun. Right. This is fun talking to you about hunting and talking about what my passions versus having to sit into a meeting and figure out how I'm going to meet this schedule because the guy blew it on the schedule. Right. I got to try and get, right. you know, half, you know, 500,000 pounds of duckwork out there in six weeks versus, you know, three months. Cause he messed up or forgot there, you know, they forget there's a roof on the building. I got to build all this stuff in three weeks. It should have been six weeks. You know, it's just, it's just different. It's, it's, it's a lot more peaceful for me. It's something I love, right? Like, I love what I do in the other business. I'm good at it, but uh, they always say like, find something you love and never work a day in your life. And that's what Tricer is for me. Like right. I really do. I really do love it. It's neat, man. It's neat getting to go out and be hunting. I have to watch it. Cause like, I am kind of trying to kind of, ru- I'm kind of ruining hunting for myself. Like I'm so like, I took my hobby and turned it into a business. Yeah. But I, but I enjoy it. Right. I enjoy going out. I enjoy getting to meet people like you and like-minded people and just i like it yeah it's it's it depends on how it goes right because it can blow up like right now blows up in september and you're probably not set up to like hire people on short notice and hunting season's here and it's like eh, it can be a little rough but long term like if if you ever want to get to that point in life where you go like all you do in the fall is hunt and you have some people that run your business and keep things afloat and yeah, you come back. Like you gotta, you gotta take that first step. And I have buddies that are into real estate and they're like, it doesn't even matter if you buy the wrong property. I mean, like as long as you don't lose your butt, you just got to buy your first one. Like just buy something, get in the game and then learn and go through it. And, and it's like, those are like the, the fun part of working on a pet project like that. Like I have the beard oil and the YouTube channels and the podcast channels it's like those are the fun things to kind of figure out and yeah it takes some time away like like i was late tonight like i was late on drew because i was trying to hang some ladder stands and it wasn't going well my tree wasn't cooperating and i was by myself and it's like you know it you gotta you gotta prioritize a little bit when you're trying to do that take that first step but it's so worth it i mean i get filled up so much faster doing doing all of this stuff and plus like this is fun i don't know where else you have like a, a a way to just have a phone call with a random person that has like the same exact po- hobbies and passions as you? Do. Yeah, yeah, it is neat. That's one thing I do like about Tricer is like, like I said, like we just got to take in the stand that we're going to be a hunting company, right? And if you don't like what we're doing, like pound sand, we're going to post grip and grins. We're going to you know tell you to go kill stuff. I'm going to write every time you buy something, you're going to get a card that says hope you shoot a monster this fall, you know, or something like that. Like, right. It's awesome, man. Like you just got like-minded people and we get to, uh, and people appreciate that, man. They really do. And that's one thing I like about it is we're in this time where everything is so like politically correct and you have to be so careful what you say. And people are just looking for someone to the companies to stand up and be like, Hey man, no, we're not going to do that. Right. And that's, what's been great about being in the hunting space is people just appreciate Tricer just saying like, Oh no, we're a hunting company. You know, it's, you've got all these like photography tripod, you go into sportsman's warehouse or Cabela's and they're going to be selling slick and sir and Monfrado in those hunting stores. Right. Right. Yeah. But then go, go to their, go to their Instagram page. Yeah. It's all, there will not be one, 
all tweet there will not be one gripping girl they'll never admit they're hunting company they, they you know it's just like people are so afraid to be hunting and like it's just why it's it's great it's funny because like five day eh, ten years ago you never saw tripod companies you saw camera companies and you saw optics companies that happened to sell a tripod yeah but what are they really like like pick a company you know if you're selling glass like are you really going to spend that much time developing a tripod when glass is your bread and butter like probably not like you probably like you probably design something that works but you're not like how do i make this the best tripod on the market they're thinking like, how do we hit the sweet spot so we can sell these things as cheap as possible, right? Yeah. Like, and so yeah. you, now you see companies like Tricer that are like, no, we're gonna make the lightest pan head in the world that can hold a twenty six pound spotting scope. You know, you go find a twenty six pound spotting scope, I'll make you a pan head. Yeah. Oh, wait until uh, wait until see they come out in the spring because I'm just getting started. So we have we, we're gonna launch like eight to ten new products between now and like March and we're going to blow people's minds. Well, you already have like, for, like two dozen products listed. You, you said it's been like what, two, three years now you started design in 2019. Is that what you said? Uh, I started design in like 2017, 2018. It's the first okay. prototype we launched in 2020, but now I'm just on a tear. Like I've got some products coming out that are just going to blow people's minds for, for optics, for heavy optics. I mean, the JC tripod is like nothing you've ever seen. It's cool. It's got some stuff going on that just like people are going to be like, dude, I've never run a BTX. If you run a BTX or big eyes or a big 115 spot or 95 millimeter spire, this is the tripod. You're going to be like, this is the tripod I have to have. I've never, right? the, I've never even seen a tripod like that. I have an 80 millimeter then, tripod and it's big, but it's not that well, big. This one won't, it won't be that heavy. It's still going to be less than three pounds, but it's going to be awesome. And then we've got another, um, I've got another panhead coming out. I, I It's going to be awesome. It's yeah. going to be a heavier panhead, but it's going to, uh, my goal is to create the world's best panhead for heavy optics. I've got the world's best panhead for, when I say light off, my, the LP, I run an 11 pound rifle on it. It handles it no problem, but it's not what it's made for. The LP really was made for like a guy who's using binos most of the time, yeah. running an 85 or 60 millimeter spotter. Like, um, if you're an ultralight hunter, you're not carrying, unless you're Brady Miller, you're not carrying, a, you know, 115 millimeter or 95 millimeter BTX in the backcountry with you, right? Right. Um, most guys are carrying, like, a 65. You're running, you know, I run almost exclusively Swarovski 15s off of my tripod. So I want ultralight set up. It's made for it. Right. But now I want to I create a tripod that is made for those heavier optics. And it'll run smaller optics, too. No problem. But it's going to be like the king of the crop for uh, those bigger optics for sure, designed specifically for them. Nice. So how do you – do you do all of your own CAD work for your designs? No, I work with engineering companies. Um, I, I, I doodle and sketch like crazy. Okay, so like you I give them the ideas like and then they take I it. I give them the ideas. Yeah, and they take it, right? I do – yeah. So I'll go into like my buddy's machine shop. We'll start going in CAD, designing things, and then here's – I'm working on something right now. This one I'm not going to talk too much about. I'm working on something right now, and I, I get these parts. You know, I mean, I've got like if you, I mean, all the inventions I've had over the years, different things I've done. I have boxes full of prototypes, yeah, and things that didn't work to get to where I am. Like it's constantly me tweaking, and even when I make something, um, 
it's always changing. There's always, you're, I'm always chasing perfect with everything I do. Right. So even if I launch something, you know, a year later, there might be little tweaks to it where you're going to, you won't even notice them, but I notice them because something I want to change within the tripod or within the pan head to make it that much better. So it could be really like, I want to be known as the best tripod, the best pan head. So I just start designing and then spending a lot of money and throwing prototypes away, you know, <laughs> make it make, I mean, one off, one off machining is not cheap. No. One off machining is very expensive. Um, but you know, it's what it takes, man. And then I, I try and run things, you know, for six months to a year. And really I, I, I try and design, like I'll try and prototype like five, these new products are coming out right now. I've got like five of them coming in and I'm going to send them out to like five dudes in the industry and be like, Hey, run this for me. Give me your thoughts. I have three, three different products coming in right now. Um, run these three for me and let me know your thoughts on them. What should we change on them? Which, which one should we get rid of? Do we, which one, you know, I think there's one of them right now I think is going to get dropped. Um, and you know, it's just, you're gonna have to throw that money away, but it's what it takes to get to, you know, perfect. You know what? I would give you something to think about. I don't know if you can name it like the Trice or BK for my last name, but I don't have a good truck scouting mount. And everyone until the spring. Wait till uh, the spring. <laughs> well, so here's my problem. I'll just talk about my problem. You don't have to talk about what you got, but I, I, I have a window mount that you clamp onto yep. your half open window and I hate it. I hate everything about it. I hate how I have to have my window open. I hate how bugs get in my truck. I hate how my angled spotter, if I don't have the window in the exact right position, it doesn't work at all. And, and sometimes yep. I can't even get it to work. I don't like clamping a five pound scope spotter to my window. Like I was like, I don't know. Is this going to break on me? Like if I, hit it too hard or just touch it or like I hit a bump you never know and here's the biggest thing I hate about it I can only spot out of the left side of my truck what happens if the deer's on the right side <laughs> so yeah I'm working I'm working on something right now for that that's all that's also foreign to me right so I've never uh I've never used like window mounts right it's just but like I talked to all my friends in like Montana they're like you gotta make a window mount. you gotta make a window mount and I mean, a lot of it is there's a lot more roads up there. Like down here where we are, we don't have roads, especially in San Diego. Yeah. And um, to turn off of, and a lot of it is like you guys are from Minnesota. It's freezing balls. Like <laughs> it's cold. Like you don't want to get out of the truck. Like I get it. Like it's a, it's snowing out, and you can have your truck on like 85 degrees and be glass out your window. Like I understand the need for it. That's part um, of it. Part of it's just like like right now this time of year, like summer scouting where you're driving around your block or your county or all of your properties looking at bean fields. And it's like, I don't want to get out and set up a tripod because I'm in the middle of the road. Like, we're going to be yeah. here for 30 seconds. If they're not here, we're going to move to the next. Like, you just keep moving. And so you don't want to be getting in and out. And so I quit using my window mount a long time ago. Now I use my what the tripod I do have. I It's like the two legs I will leave collapsed, and I'll put them on my, like, armrest for my driver's door. And then the one leg I put across me onto the center console and I can look out oh, the left. And then if I want to look out the right, I just flip it. And I put, you know, the long leg at an angle. So my tripod is going to look like this, right? Two short legs straight yeah. down, one long way out to the side. But then I can look out my passenger window with my tripod or my spotter. The only issue is I like it. then I got to fold it all up to drive. 
Yeah. And you're stuck with a T no matter what. Like your tripod and your spotter make this big ass T. So yeah, you can go like this, but now you know you can fold your tripod in line with your legs, but then it's still thirty inches. And so like what I want, which is like from the Whitetail Woods, and I don't think there's any way you could actually do it in a truck. But what I would love is like the fluid like a camera arm. So like guys in the Whitetail world will climb up into a tree and they strap an arm to a tree. So that I wish you could like bolt it into my truck seat. And so I could like wrap it around and look out this window. I could wrap it that way and look out that window. I could flip it behind the seat when I'm driving. Like I wish there was something. Maybe, oh, I have it. We'll talk offline. I've figured it out. I got something in my head for you too. I got it. We don't want anyone to steal it. What's the problem? Like anyone with a machine shop can just steal your idea, right? Because it's not. Yeah, but no one ever does. Do people are lazy? They don't like it. I mean, so I think I'm all very lazy, but like. Everybody has an idea. Nobody's willing to put like finish it. That's the difference between somebody who's an entrepreneur. Yeah. And everybody has an idea. Like you don't have no idea how many guys come to me like I got this idea for a patent. I'm like okay, make a prototype, and then like it just disappeared. One guy. I mean, probably 20 people have come to me in the last 10 years. One dude has actually fell, followed through and like patented something. Most time it's just like they have the idea and they just don't follow through. And that's what it takes is a follow through and a willingness to. I mean, with Tricer. To be honest, like I've been, that comes out of my, that company I've been going since 2013 with my other patents. Mm-hmm. I haven't taken a penny from those companies in 10 years or 12 years, whatever it's been. It's just all been going back into the company and people aren't willing to do that, right? They, people want instant gratification, instant satisfaction. And uh, when you're trying to invent something or create something, you have to be willing to make sacrifices financially and sacrifices with your time. Yeah. A lot of people don't have that. So they can have an idea, but you know, more power to you if you create something better. Go for it. Yeah. yeah. Well, and that's the interesting thing, like putting it back into the company. So, like, the, the two big brands that I have are, well, three, but two of them are podcasts, so it doesn't count. I, I don't know if you knew this, Drew, but I host this one, which is Ontario Entrepreneur's Podcast, and then I host the Western Rookie, which is all about newer people to Western hunting. And so we talk about, like, just, like, this would be great, like, how to, how to glass in the backcountry. We wouldn't really focus as much on the business story, but more of, like, how do you find animals? Like, what are you looking for? Like, What's the gear you would need? And I like, just talk through options. But then the other one's a beard oil company. So both of them are like kind of unique in terms of like reinvest in the company. Because with like a product like yours, reinvest in the company could be like, okay, now I've got, I got, I earned some money. Now I'm going to turn around and use that to fund the next five prototypes, right? Well, it's like, what do you, yeah. what do you do to reinvest in your podcast? Like if you get a sponsor and you get, let's say $5,000, like, what do you do to just, like, I want to reinvest in the podcast. Great. What do you, like, it, there's not really, you could advertise your podcast on, like, other podcasts, but I don't really think that's going to be that much of a bang for your buck. And so it's like, now you got to get creative on, like, what does reinvesting in your company look like? Is it, like, taking more time off work to do more podcasts? Is it, like, buying a better camera and starting like a YouTube, like there's so many, it's like, it's really hard to kind of like reinvest if it's not straightforward on the beard oil. It's almost the opposite where it's like the margin is so good. It doesn't take much to reinvest. Like I, you know, I don't need that much money to come out with a new beard oil scent. You know, it's very low entry to market type product. And so like, it's kind of different on what that looks like to me, but I'm the same way. I haven't taken a thing out of either, either business. Yeah, I mean, that and, like, with Tricer, I mean, honestly, it's been a dog for, like, three years. It's just been losing money like crazy. Good tax write-offs. I I, 
Yeah, good tax write-offs, but it's just been a willingness. And with Tricer, it's been, and I have some partners with Tricer. It's been okay. Take more money and put your own personal money into this company. Like we believe in this, so we've just been losing money, and then now it's obviously not. Um, it's doing really well, but uh, it was just that's what it was reinvesting. Not only reinvesting what everything the products made, but reinvesting like our personal money and lose, being willing to lose. We made some big mistakes. We made some huge marketing mistakes in the beginning that like. I totally regret. I mean, give a guy like 25 grand and got nothing from it. Right. Just being naive, like to social media. Like I have, trust me, like when I started Treasure in 2020, I didn't have an Instagram. I didn't have a Facebook. I didn't know anything about an e-commerce business. We made some serious mistakes, but now, I mean, I'm on Instagram all the time and I hate it, but I'm on there all the time. And I've got, I've, I've got the right marketing team behind me now. And I understand e-commerce. I understand how things work. Um, but it was just a willingness to learn and you have to be willing to do, reinvest in yourself too, right? There's more than just investing in the products. It's right. like, I would never get like, I would challenge anyone coming out of a four year, four year business score now to have a better understanding of an e-commerce business than I do right now, you know, and understanding how these work and understanding my, my demographic, understanding my base, who I'm, who I'm advertising to. Right. I mean, it's just, yeah, it's, you have to be willing to invest in yourself too and the products. So, you mentioned that like early on you made an advertising mistake. You kind of regret, obviously everyone makes tons of mistakes. And so yeah. was that just like, Hey, I'm going to take this money and I'm going to give it to this person and they're going to market and then we're going to make more money. And it turns out they didn't yeah. do that. Or were you doing it yourself? Like, no, no, I actually always did good myself on it. It was me thinking like, okay, if we're going to make the next step, we have to pay these guys a lot of money to work for us. And it was a guy who, I mean, I kind of knew and I thought he was great. And then like, it turns out he had like the girl, the first week of met with his employee, he passed this off, right? To somebody else. She's like, Oh, it's my first time doing this. I'm like, you're kidding me. You know? So, we, and the products at the time weren't the greatest, right? Like GTP three, GTP, they weren't the greatest products either. Right. So we were trying to market these products. I think they're, we still sell some of those products, but they, they took so much, um, education to be sold yeah right so we would like one thing i've learned about e-commerce is my marketing almost costs more than my products yeah like there's a reason why jeff bezos and mark zuckerberg and these google guys are so rich because when you do e-commerce when you send 500 people to your site if they don't buy anything you still pay zuckerberg Right. whatever 50 cents or 75 or a dollar or whatever it is a click to get to your site yeah he's still making money so if you're having to you're selling a tripod for a hundred dollars but you're paying and you're paying forty dollars for it but you're paying eighty dollars to get it sold it's costing you 120 bucks you're losing money but um with that marketing company they just they just weren't great marketing company and they just it cost me a ton of money so if we if, got somebody back from if you were to go back in time and talk to 2020 drew and be like, hey, I know you're going to do this. I know you're going to go spend a bunch of money on marketing. But if you don't do anything else, just listen to like these two things or three things about how to find a better marketing company. What would you tell like what would you tell someone like these are like red flags or green flags basically when it comes to outsourcing your marketing? Well, with me, it was uh, I would go back and say, hey, Drew, these products are not niche. They're too niche. They're not they're not. Uh, so you got to make sure the product's there first. You got you got to make sure the product sells itself, right? Yeah. Like great, 
good products sell, great products sell themselves. So right now, the GTP, uh, or not the GTP, the, the, the BC, the AD, the LP, the Bino Adapter, those things are selling themselves. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, and we have a great marketing company, right? So uh, I'm, I'm friends with Cody Rich. I'm your, you know, the Rich Outdoors podcast. I've heard um, of it. I've heard of it. I don't know Cody, but I've heard of it. Super, super cool dude. Um, and he hooked me up with his brother-in-law. And they're just a much better company. I'm working directly with the owners. So that's what I tell myself is like, if you're going to get in with a company, yeah. don't go find some marketing company. We've tried to do That's another thing we've done. We've tried to hire like marketing companies overseas in between the time frame. The first one was we were so burnt on. We tried to go like Upwork and hire marketing companies to work with guys in like Scandinavia. And like you're getting blocked out of Insta- uh, Instagram and Facebook and they can't get you back in. And there's all these like IP address issues because they're freaking Scandinavia or wherever they are, you know. Yeah. Like they, they told us they were in England, but then like you get online and they're like, wait, but you're in freaking Romania. You're like a third world country, dude. Like what? <laughs> you're not in. So you got to be careful with that too, hiring guys online. Like uh, good things cost money, right? Yeah. Good talent costs money. Um, where am I going with that? And then, um, yeah, I mean, just make sure you have a product that sells itself before you go pay a bunch of money to market it because they're not going to give you your money back when you market it. They're in business the same way I'm in business to sell a tripod. The marketing company is in business to sell marketing. And they're not going to give you your money back if they don't sell your stuff. They're going to say, sorry, you know? Yeah. Um, and then uh, another thing, too, if you get with a big marketing company, you know, they're going to probably cheat you up and spit you out. They don't care. They're just going to tear through you and take your money. Like the first guys, they took, I think it was cost like 25 grand or something, took our money within three or four months. You know, they had told us we're going to all these returns. I mean, those guys sold like five. Th- it was so crazy how bad they were at marketing. And we couldn't ever get a hold of the owner again after, you know, he came out and pitched us in person. And then after that, he was just gone. And we had some chick who was probably on the like Upwork that he hired, you know, to do our, be our rep. Oh, and uh, it just didn't work out. So you got to, I, I think finding for me, a company where I know I have access to the owner Yeah. and I could have weekly meetings with them. So now we're on weekly calls, weekly meetings. We're not just trusting them to do it. I'm hands on with it. I'm, uh, I understand my base a lot more now, right? In the beginning, I was trying to have this broad company where I was like, we need to advertise to birders. We need to advertise to photographers and, and hunters, right? Yeah. But truth be told, like, I know nothing about birding yeah. other than throwing some like seven and a half in my shotgun and shooting doves and quail. Like I know nothing about that industry. I don't know how to market to them. I don't know what to say to them. Photography, forget about it. Like, I, I mean, there's some great photographers that are, that are nature photographers or hunters. They do great stuff. I mean, look at Brian call. I mean, he's guys, great photographer, right? Uh, there's a bunch of dudes out there. Um, but at the same time, like, I don't know. They, I, why am I trying to advertise to these guys and make pictures of guys taking pictures <laughs> I don't understand. Like, right. That's not my thing. So folk, I found, I found my market to market to, and I understand how I'm going to market to them. And now it's just way more successful. I mean, we are like the poster boy for this ad agency we're with now. They're incredible. I wouldn't even share them because they're so good. I don't want to lose them, but where our returns are so unreal because we kind of, we learned we're going to focus on our, our base. We're yeah. going to sell great products, great products sell themselves. And we're going to target them. And it's just worked out well. And they're just like going out. Look at the returns we're getting with Tricer. Look at these returns. They're, they're incredible. But it's just, it's more of a strategic and focused approach. I hope that it makes sense. Kind of a long way to get around it. I mean. Yeah. No, it does. I, I just made some, it was an expensive, like, I, I'm one of those people who believes, like, sometimes you got to spend a lot of money to have an expensive education. Yeah. 
right? So when you blow $25,000 in a marketing company, you're, you're probably not gonna do that again, right? Like I bought my first house when I was 19, I bought a condo for 270 grand in San Diego. Oof. Who doesn't know about California? California is through the roof, right? Expensive. <laughs> like I, um, yeah, I bought it. I bought it. I, that's just to see how crazy that is. I, this is 20, 2005. This is 2005 about this house. Well, go ahead. Well, we just bought a, yeah. So add 20 years of inflation. We just bought 40 acres and a 3,700 square foot house for not too much more than double. That's crazy. So, <laughs> I mean, so we bought that house and there was expensive education for me, right? So we bought that house 2005. And they're telling me, and I had like the double rate mortgage, like the two, the, 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 the interest free mortgage. And then like the, the, the balloon payment. Cause you're like, you're walking, you're walking into interest and at that point. Like this is back when, uh, um, let me, no, I'm just gonna ignore him. Oh, let me tell my, my partners asked me to jump on the podcast. I'm gonna tell him no. Um, Oh sorry, yeah. I, back before him. like all the 2008 housing regulations yeah. revived, like yeah, back before, with Freddie so, like, Mae, they, Fannie they, Mac they, for lending. Yeah, they would say like, "Oh man, you went to the, you had a yard sale that counts. Oh, you had that you had that counts, right?" So they're just giving everyone mortgages or these crazy mortgages that right they couldn't afford. Everyone was refinancing their houses and buying dune buggies and cars and motorhomes and giant trucks. I mean, we're talking this is the two thousands. Uh, money was great, and then the market. I had to. I had to. It was like back then you had like a two year adjustable rate mortgage and you yeah. had to refinance out of it. Oh, your house be worth your house be worth three fifty in two years. Well, two years comes around, and I call them like, "Oh, your house is worth two thirty. Like, what do you mean? No way. And then, uh, sure enough, the market crashed. The 08 crisis hit, and our house went adjustable. I had I tried to hold on that house. I, I have five kids. At this point, I have three kids. I'm trying to. I pay the more. My mortgage just went from like eighteen hundred bucks to like thirty one hundred. It's adjustable. And I have all these moral conflicts as a Christian, like about me walking away from this house. And I'm talking, I'm trying to get my, they won't fix my mortgage because Obama had made it to where like they make more money if you, like I, I called them and I'm like, please. And they're like, you don't understand. Like with what Obama did, we'll make more money if you foreclose. And it was like, I'm, I'm trying to pay my house. I'm not trying to short sale. So we ended up having to lose that house. I and mean, we ended up selling that house in like 2011 for a hundred grand. Oh my gosh. That's terrible. We're, we paid 270, but you know what? I've bought a lot of real estate since then. I'll never make that mistake again. Yeah. That's a, that's a, that's a long way of telling you like some educations are expensive and they hurt, but you got to learn from them and move on with them. Right? Like I'll never make a mistake with a marketing company again. Yeah. Right. So it was worth it. You know, whatever. Could have spent a half million dollars going to Yale or I can get a good uh, you know, degree in real estate by losing my butt a couple of times and I've done really good since, but yeah, I've no learned kidding. my lesson. I've no learned kidding. my lesson on down payments and what cash flow looks like and all that stuff. I'm not afraid of real estate. I just am smarter now. Yeah. How do you, so for reference, like I don't get into the real numbers, but when it, when marketing works well, could you give an example? Because I think a lot of people start their own companies and they're usually not in marketing. They're not, they don't have experience in marketing. They don't have educa formal education in marketing. And so you get to like, oh, let's advertise. And you're like, I don't know. It seems like boosting posts is just wasting money. And I don't know what to do. And it just seems like all marketing is just going to be throwing money down the drain because I don't get it. And then so I just 
do my own thing. And, and sometimes it works. You got a product that sells yourself and you, like I've talked to one company, they hit 10,000 orders without spending a dollar on marketing because they made products that yeah, sold themselves. Awesome. Like you got your tethered harness. I don't know if you sat in it, but one of the things I just came out with was a harness spreader, which sounds really bad, but it, it just, when you sit in a harness, it squeezes in on you. Like that's just how it, you go up to the central point and your, your saddle just squeezes. And so you just made this rod that you just like, wedge in there and it keeps your like the seat of your saddle the same width as your hips so you don't get pinched if you sit on all day just products that are like oh that makes sense i'll buy one so he made it to ten thousand dollars he hasn't spent a dollar that was a while ago he hasn't spent a dollar on advertising other companies it's like well your product doesn't really sell yourself and then you didn't advertise so you kind of just chugging along in the middle and i think it would be helpful for people to hear like what can it look like when it works? Like when you, when you have a product that sells itself and then you put a little gas on an already burning fire, like if it, what if like if you could break it down to like, guess like if I had, a, if I put a dollar into the marketing, what does that dollar turn into? Is it $2? Is it $10? A great return on marketing would be two to three X. Yeah. Okay, great. So that would be, a, that'd be a good, so if you put a dollar in, you get $3 back. Which is phenomenal. And we blow that away. I, I don't want to say numbers, but we like, it's shocking how well ours do, does. Um, and plus but, with your company, like you got to think maybe your marketing company's already on top of this. I'm sure they are. They're, they're probably geniuses if they're getting those kind of returns, but like oh, you, you have a company it. where you're probably not selling the dude two or three BC tripods. Like he buys one. It's going to last him a lifetime, but then he's going to go buy the LP. And then he's going to go buy the, the, the next adapt, you know? So now you start to build like yeah. an LTV of this customer, like a lifetime value. Yeah. And you already marketed them once. Like you don't really have to hit that person again. Like, you know, your cost of the second sale and the third sale and the fourth sale gets cheaper and cheaper and cheaper. Oh yeah. Yeah. We like, we launched uh, an Arca plate, just a little Arca plate that works with our stuff. And it just, it's 0.6 ounces. It weighs, it weighs nothing, but it just, it's like the best figure Arca plate I've ever seen. It's a skeletonized, it's built for hunters, right? It's got rubber on it. Mm-hmm. I, I sent an email out, there's 200 of them sold in like two hours, right? It's just like- Just to your existing customers, me. yeah. Yeah, there's like, buy, 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 buy. You know, give me six, give me this. And, you know, we had a thousand of those come in and I think they're almost gone in a month, right? It's just people, it's a great product. It just sells to existing. Um, where, was, where were we going with the original question? It was- Just like your, marketing. What, just you know? like ROI and marketing. So people- I want to spark the curiosity in people to figure it out and not just be afraid of it their whole life and be like, ah, I don't market. I just do Instagram. I just post stuff on Instagram and word of mouth. But like, if you can figure it out, like there is a huge upside, like where else in life do you put in a dollar and potentially get three back, potentially get more if it really sells itself. Like not many places can you do that, especially on a, what is it? A 30 day cycle or a 60 day cycle. Sometimes it's like a 90 like we're not talking like you put a dollar in the stock market and when you retire it's three dollars. Yeah, we're talking instant. Right. Like well, and not instant instant, but yeah, like a timetable. Like you can do like a campaign for a month and see your money back. Yeah, yeah. Well, you gotta keep in mind too, you have the cost of the product in there too, right? So let's say you spend a dollar and your tripod costs a dollar, you got a three extra turn, now you're making a dollar, right? Because you have it's not well, you still. also have your yeah, it's still good. It's it's good. I don't um, I don't necessarily I kind of think about it like I already make the product and sell the product and the product's profitable. Yes. Yes. But now if I'm going to pay to advertise, now I like 
now I have like that's cost of goods is what I'm already doing. Now I need like cost yeah. of sales and like what is that going to add? Like if I have a yes. dollar in cost of sales, but I'm going to get three x sales. Right, yes. like it does come out of my product margin, but in a way, it's like I was already I built the product. Hopefully, built the product margin that I can afford to advertise. If not, then you yeah. kind of got to go back to the what you started with and say make sure the product sells itself, and then you can charge, you know, a justifiable rate for it. <laughs> yeah, it's called ROAS, right? Return on ad spend. Yeah, and you, yeah, I mean, and for me, like what we look at with Tricer is, um, as long as it's paying for itself, why not do it? Right. Like as long as the ad spend is paying for itself, why not do it? Cause it's not going to hurt us to sell. Right. That's what you're saying. So you're already selling a product that sells itself. Now, if I can increase that by having advertising, mm-hmm. um, and I'm going to spend, say, let's say I spend a thousand dollars a month, but that thousand dollars a month returning me three to five thousand dollars a month. Why not spend that thousand dollars a month? It's paying for itself. Right. So right. you get that money in within 30 days. That's a good thing about e-commerce too. Versus construction industry, construction, I'm waiting 90 days, 120 days to get paid. E-commerce, you know, you're a Shopify store, it's going in every three days, you're getting hits, you know, it's coming back into your account. So that ad spend's really paying for itself pretty quickly. Um, I'll, I'll never start a brick and mortar store or brick and mortar business ever again. Yeah, it's after hard. After doing Tricer, like well, I love the e-commerce stuff. Yeah, especially, so I did, I'm on Shopify too. I love Shopify. They should be the unofficial sponsor of this podcast. But... I did a post. I got in, in a comments fight with a vegan, and I tried to keep it moral high ground, and then it just it went south, like calling us animal abusers. They said we, we contribute to the animal holocaust. Like, terrible stuff, holocaust, and just terrible. And so then I'm like, all right, whatever. And so I said, hey, I'm going to, you know, you, you've convinced me to change. I need to do something. You know, you've inspired me. And so for the rest of the month, your username is a buy one, get one free coupon on my hunting company that's awesome my yeah and his his username was by the way skinny vegan i was like oh how ironic you know don't eat meat and you're skinny and so and then i watched the spotify map or shopify map just blow up it's like ping 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 like you see the dots start coming up on the map and you're like and i'm like that's not real like i'm my site's getting hacked or something i don't know the first time and all of a sudden it's my phone starts bing order 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 and i'm like it starts going wild all of a sudden i get like 90 orders in two and a half days and before i was riding like a pretty comfortable like couple orders a week yeah and it's like wow and it's that instant gratification like you talk about like it you never know when someone's gonna hit that checkout button or hit that uh pay you know con confirm uh, order and and you get that notification and it's like it's like as bad as getting a text message was in middle school, like how much that lit you up. It's like 10 times more than that when you get a Shopify ding on your phone. Oh, dude, we didn't have cell phones when I was in middle school. An 80s kid. Um, so talk about like fun marketing like that. So that's, see that skinny, that skinny vegan, like that's awesome. We did something similar this year on President's Day. I did a sale, uh, code Biden, add 20%, code Trump. <laughs> code trump minus 20 percent, and people just wanted to use the damn code like i have to use this code and it was our sales went through no advertising whatsoever and it was like our biggest sale day ever did anyone one day, use the biden code just for fun 
No, but it, I made it to where it worked. Like, if you wanted to use it, it would go and add 20% to your order. Like, it would, you want to use it? I wonder how many. Do it, you'll add 20%. I wonder if you could look back and see how many people tried it just to see if it would actually add. I don't think you could see who, I don't think you could see who tries things uh, you on, would, on that. You could see, like, but. abandoned checkouts, though. Like, it would probably show yeah. up under your abandoned checkouts, and then you might be, because something, like, in an order, you get, like, when you run a Shopify store, you get, like, a lot of information. 847 added to cart. 849 went to checkout page. Yeah. 851 tried the credit card, failed. 852 tried a new credit card, passed. And you're like, you can kind of see the whole process, which is kind of creepy in a way. But um, I wonder if you could say added Biden 20, went back a page, added yeah. Trump 20. <laughs> added Trump 20, yeah. yeah. Just to make, like, if that, yeah, but like, that's fun stuff. I mean, that's, that, I mean, creative marketing is something that really, um, it, it you know, that's one thing I've been really kind of, I don't want to say good at, but I've learned like my base, right? So like right now we're running these ads. I don't know if you've seen them and it's a uh, Tricer built for hunters that don't drink Bud Light. Ah. <laughs> and like, we've got like, and like we always guys come around there. Like, you know, they love it. People are like, I'm going to buy it. People are buying our stuff because of that. I mean, we picked up like a thousand followers from it and people are going and they're buying our stuff. And they're like, I'm going to screw I'm buying your tripod right now. I already have the LP pen and I'm buying the tripod. I already have this. I'm buying that. And, uh, I'm buying three now, whatever. And then you got these guys going on there who are just like, oh, you're anti-trans, you're anti-this. And it's like, please keep posting that stuff. It just sells me. I literally like, every time they do it, I screenshot it and put it on my stories, like, making you famous. Thanks. You just sold 100 tripods. Thanks, bro. Like, yeah. It's, like, creative marketing is fun. Like, we've got a new, I don't want to talk about an ad coming out next month, but it's funny. Yeah. You know, I, I enjoy that. You'll, just... you'll see it coming out. I'll, I'll tell you off. I'll tell you off air. I don't want. I don't want. I don't want to like give too much to it. I got to film it next week. Well, it's hard to like. It's, gonna be good. it's hard to like sign up. Like, if you had a YouTube video, I could just go to your YouTube channel. But like, if the algorithm doesn't match me to your stuff, and now it will, because I'm spending some time on your page and, and stuff. Yeah, it'll match me. But it's like you can't just go like look up an ad. Usually, I mean, it's I don't know. It's kind of hard. But creative marketing. I want to get your thoughts on something because I've been seeing it the last two weeks and. And I have a little bit of a moral dilemma with it, but I've heard, I'm sure you've heard of the song Richmond North of Richmond, right? Yes. Okay. So there's a company here in Minnesota and I, I, I'm sure the person is the best well-rounded, you know, perfect person, but they put lyrics from his son song on a patch hat, like what you're wearing, like a leather patch hat. They engrave it and they've sold like, I don't know, thousands. Like, he's been bringing these boxes to the post office in his little town on a trailer, like a 14-foot <laughs> utility trailer with his four-wheeler twice a day. And I'm like, okay, great for you to be an entrepreneur, but I don't know how I feel about you just taking someone's viral song lyrics and putting it on your hat and then selling it. It's like, that's... He came up with that, not you. And the person was like, yeah, I'm trying to reach out and give him a commission. It's like... Give them a commission. Like, what do you? Th I, I just feel conflicted about this. What What are your thoughts on like taking someone's song lyrics and putting it on a hat? I think it sucks. Just wouldn't go there. I, I, yeah, I wouldn't go there. That sucks. That's like, yeah, I wouldn't do that. That's, I don't know. But at the same time, like, I'll run an ad with somebody else's tripod in it, like having fun. Like, but I won't mention my name. I guess I don't know. I mean, there's nothing illegal with that. But yeah, I wouldn't. I don't know. But like, you're not like, selling their that, tripod. That'd be like if I put, I don't know. Yeah, I'm not selling their tripod. Yeah, And I even if you I were selling like, your tripod, you'd have yeah. to buy it from them first. So that's where I'm like, like, I kind of feel like it's like. 
wrong. Low creative, like it's just scraping the bottom of the barrel in a way. Like, can you not do anything on your own to sell a hat? Like, I mean, it's a catchy song. It's a catchy song, and it's there's a lot of good like one-liners for a hat in that song. But I just feel like it's like now what they've done is every time there's a number one song in America, all these hat companies are just going to see how fast can they put it on a patch and put it on a hat and sell it. And like you're basically riding that person's coattails and not contri- yeah. like I feel like at a point there's going to be like a copyright issue. Like I don't think you can just take Taylor Swift's lyrics and put it on a hat and sell thousands of orders and not get a knock on the door one day. Yeah, I think it's for what I only have 10% battery life left on this phone, so we might have to wrap up here in a few minutes. <laughs> okay. I didn't realize that. Uh, sorry, I uh, no, that's I was fine. charged. We're already at an but, hour. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, I don't know. It's like people, I, I, I wouldn't do it. I think it's kind of a little bit lowbrow, but at the same time, like, he's probably get away with it. Like, they're not going to, like, guys probably could come after him and sue him, right? Well, I it's think like, it's the perfect person. He's like, I don't want any money. I don't want to, you know, and I think he did get in contact with his team now. I mean, Oliver Anthony obviously has a team. And so I think he is contributing, but I still, like, something rubs me the wrong way. Like, that's his yeah. song. If anyone's going to be selling a hat, he should be the one selling the hat. If you wanted his yeah. song on hats, like he's a smart enough dude to put it on a hat. I don't know, but yeah. no, you're here, no there. <laughs> we had the same thing. Like we're, we, we, I'll test things right in my stories. Like the Bud Light thing, I tested it, and it just, I'll go and try things out, and it just got like all oh, these people liking it. So then I was telling my partners, I'm like, well, yeah, I don't know. Like, what if Bud Light like sues us? And they're like, that'd be so good for us. Like, do it. Like, so I mean, they just, they just make it even more famous. I don't know. Like, I'm not asking Bud Light to like. Yeah, you know, I see what you're I saying. Don't know. It's, it's I guess it's I just a fine take, line. Yeah, everyone's got to decide what it is for themselves. Like I wouldn't go and put just do it in like a Nike Swish on my tripods. <laughs> you know, I just be like, well, that's is like, copyrighted, I think. So you, guess, yeah, right. yeah, I get in trouble. You know, I don't know. Like, I mean, I'm sure as long as you can't like go on. I mean, I don't know. It's not you can't use someone's music. Like when I do all my ads and stuff, it has to be like this, like non-copyrighted music. Yeah, I can't just go on like take his song, but. I don't know what the law is on. I don't know. You can go and put the Constitution on a hat. Yeah. Right? You can go. You can go and put. You know. You can go do that. You know. You can put. True. The, the Gaston flag on a hat. It's not. I mean, I don't know. You can put that. You can put the Pledge of Allegiance on the back of a shirt, and you'll get a. You know, sell thousands of them. So yeah. I mean, what's the? I don't know. I don't know. I don't That's know. I, I wouldn't do. I wouldn't do it. But yeah. I hear you. I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it either. I wouldn't do it either. And that's that. I guess. Everyone's going to do their own thing. But before your phone dies, and we're already at an hour, I want to give you a chance to show people where they can go, what the website is, um, where they can find Tricer and get connected and follow along and hopefully order a tripod and a panhandle. Yeah, go buy go buy one for each of your kids, your friends, your dad. <laughs> great everybody. Christmas presents. <laughs> so, yeah, great Christmas presents. We sell arc lighters. We sell game bags too. Go on there, buy something, support a, you know, a conservative hunting company that is out there rooting for you guys to kill stuff. Awesome. You can find us at uh, TriceUSA.com. Uh, you can find us on Instagram at TriceUSA, Facebook at TriceUSA. Um, I'm starting a podcast, which we'll be launching in a couple of weeks, so you'll be able to find that as well on YouTube. We have YouTube channels, Tricer on YouTube. Awesome. And, uh, yeah, check us out. Yeah. Cool. We'll put links to all those places in the show notes. If the Well, the podcast will probably be launched because this isn't going to go live until um, November 7th, actually. So, Oh, wow. Yeah, so we'll yeah, put all the links to everything. We'll put the links to the yeah. the links to the uh, the podcast will be in the bottom too, in the show notes. Yeah, 
to show you how obsessive I am with things, I, I decided to launch a podcast like last Wednesday. I've got four shows done already. This is my six podcasts I've done this week. I have another one this week for somebody else in Australia. I've done six of them in a week, so I'm just stacking these things up. It's just fun. What are you recording with? Uh, um, what I'm wearing, right? I have a full setup, like a full Zoom setup. But uh, honestly, I have an hour drive to work and an hour drive home every day. So I'm using the same setup right now that we're on. Oh, yeah. And I'm just, I'm just recording with guys while I'm driving home. It's like I got an hour where I'm just doing nothing. I put my phone on the dash. I'm using, uh, what's it called? Zencaster. Okay. And I'm just freaking recording a podcast like this and just talking to people about hunting. Yeah. No, you, it's, it's fun. Cool. Why not? I mean, that's a cool thing. But now is like, you don't have to have such, I mean, polished stuff anymore. Right. Like right. Film something like, you can film a video on your phone and put it on Instagram and sell stuff with it. It's awesome. Yeah. So like I can film a podcast and, and just I'm on there with this stuff and it, it works. Sweet. Awesome. Well, thanks for being here, Drew, and thank you for listening, folks.